welcome to the Marvelous Post Blip Podcast, a podcast of all things Marvel on the Fangirl Zone. I am Mischievous Dave. I'm Sean Fangirl S. And I'm Steve, and today we're talking about episode four of season one of Miss Marvel, titled Seeing Red, written by Sabir Prasada, A.C. Bradley, and Matthew Chauncey, and directed by Charmin Obad Chinoy. Wow. Yeah, seeing red, double meeting there, seeing the red, like red scarf, and seeing red, like angry, as some people <laughs> can't help but see red, like the old saying. All right, Sean, enough of my palaver. <laughs> What do you think? You have an initial reaction for us? I liked it that they were yeah. introducing like a whole group of people. And then I was mm-hmm. kind of like, wait a minute, are they killing everybody off? So I got a little <laughs> worried, wondering how it's going to play out because going down the internet rabbit hole, wasn't sure if they are really good or bad for a while. So I'm still saying thumbs up and I'm in for it and i'm like oh she's kind of got a crush how sweet but we see how that worked out last time so i'm a little leery about that steve fun episode yeah definitely like getting a little more history of what's her backstory is so that's good more than likely we'll get a little bit more <laughs> the next episode seeing that we got dropped into 1942 there at the end that's going to be interesting as well. So thought it was a good episode. I enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, I liked it too. I know we're not giving it ratings, but if we did, I would give it four out of five flying teddy bears. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a teddy bear. It's an yeah. Sure, sure, <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> you say so, Kamala. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it was fun too. The, they seem to be making special attention to make sure we know uh, partition history. Right. You know, a well, lot went on in the world. It's a big think. deal that a lot of people don't know. And I didn't know a lot about it. I've honestly learned about it from Doctor Who and then now with Miss Marvel. Like, that's not something we covered in school. What about that four hour movie we all watched like 25 years ago? <laughs> Gandhi. Gandhi, yep. Yeah, that was a big deal, too. Yeah, I watched that when I was like little. So I don't remember much <laughs> except it being a really long movie. Well, in 1942, the. Well, it was a pitiful year for the Allies, and World War II was still raging on, but it's pretty much a turning point. But uh, India was mixed up in the Second World War also. So to have the partition and all this going and fighting in the Second World War, man, it's a lot to take for people. Yep. Okay. All right. How about we jump in with the recap? Because it's, you know, so super long anyway. Kamala travels around the world to solve the mystery of the bangle and her family's history. Can, can I say, like, <laughs> Jumping into it the way the last episode ended and then jumping into this episode, I'm like, wow, that didn't take much to talk her mom into anything. Yeah, was I think we get some insight. No, no. Yeah, it was a little surprising, too, considering the history we knew between her and her mother. Like, why? Right. <laughs> but, you know, mothers and daughters. <laughs> <laughs> and do the rules of grounding stretch to international waters. You know what? I don't think that was ever officially established. I would like to know myself, so. Exactly. (laughs) Kamala Khan is asking for a friend, and that friend is her. She and Muniba are 30,000 feet in the air traveling to Karachi, and it's safe to say that the poor say that the international flight has been tense. Poor unsuspecting passenger in the middle seat between them has no idea the world of trouble Kamala 
has recently caused her family, but hearing things like, you ruined your brother's wedding, certainly <laughs> clues him in. <laughs> felt really bad for the dude in the middle. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Most people are just like, ah, I think I'll excuse myself for a minute and dash right. out of there. Uh, you want to swap seats with me? Let me yeah. sit on the aisle? <laughs> Manima is still pretty upset with her dog. It also doesn't help that Kamala has been texting Nakia nonstop and hasn't received a single reply. Hey, now why is it I gotta turn my phone off when I fly, but they're on an international flight and she can mess around on her phone? What the heck? (laughs) (laughs) Finally on the ground, Kamala is overwhelmed by the sights and sounds of the bustling city around her. Waiting at the airport are her cousins who have come to greet them. And one very special guest, Sana, Muniba's mom and Kamala's grandmother. Sana is elated to see her granddaughter, bringing her in for a hug and a kiss, and immediately offering up the jewelry on her wrist. For <laughs> As for her reunion with Muniba, it's a little cooler as she wonders if her daughter is on another weird diet. I was wondering wow. if that's like a cultural thing. It's like, here, take all my jewelry. It's like, I yeah. mean, normally grandparents are like, here, let me feed you. And like, we're stuffing sweets down your throat. You know, but it's like, oh, wow, she's just giving her like all of her jewelry. That's like, to me, that was kind of strange. But like I said, like, my great grandparents were always like, eat, eat. You're so sweet. Right. I'm not anymore. <laughs> Thanks, great grandmas. But we do it. We well. Do. Considering her age group, you just start giving stuff away, really. Right. You want to you want to make sure your important things get handed down to somebody who's going to appreciate them. Yeah, and she hadn't seen her such a long time. What? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I I am dead serious. My grandmother is ninety six years old, and she is already planning to outlive my father and myself. So that's <laughs> why I'm like, wait, this is a thing. <laughs> not your family, it is. <laughs> right. <not. laughs> Yeah, we got a hold of some of uh, the wife's father's clocks and <laughs> recently and have started divvying those out to the family. So, yep. yeah, we do it. <laughs> Everyone so except the, my grandma. Okay, got right. it. Right. <laughs> you better have a pretty good will. <laughs> you know what? She worries me. I'm just throwing that out there. So, listeners, <laughs> if I end up on the news, everyone better look at my grandma first. I'm just saying that. <laughs> Anyway, let's jump back into the show. I was going to say reality, but our reality yeah. of the moment. Yes, the three <laughs> women pile into a car and head off for Sana's house. A sprawling estate in the city, chock full of family history, knickknacks, and Sana's artwork. That was some house. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, like, all the houses were supposed to be, like, teeny tiny. Right. Nice. Guess they don't live in the old part of town. No. <laughs> no, you downtown is <laughs> maybe they're bunch more of in the apartments. country area yeah more space okay the suburbs that's what i mean yes as she tells kamala so much of her family's history was lost during the partition so she wanted to record some of it as best she could art seems to be the perfect medium she wasn't too bad either no sana shows kamala a painting she did of her mother aisha done off memory since she can barely remember what the woman looked like all those years ago. That is sad. Oh, yes, it is. Because it was really sweet and sad all at the same time. The yes. Yeah. <laughs> However, the costume is missing one thing, but neither one of them can put a finger on it on what it is yet. Sounds like Kamala's costume. 
Okay, was anybody expecting Grandma to give her, like, the red sash or something at this point? Like, I was I, expecting... I didn't know. I had no idea. Right. <laughs> I, was I thought she was like, going to oh, make something gonna for Grandma's going to give her something, and I'm still waiting for it to happen. Like, something right. major. It will. <laughs> <laughs> For Kamala, this is a great segue into asking about the bangle. I always wonder, can they think of a better name than the bangle? But everyone calls right. it the bangle. Yeah. Bangle it is. There must be some more formal name for it, like not bracelet, but I don't know. Yeah, gauntlet. Yes. Okay, we'll do bangle then. Why did Nani? Yeah, really. Why did Nani send it to Kamala in the first place? Am I a Jin Kamala ass? Hesitantly. Of course, Anna replies. It's, that's what your father told me. With this, Kamala freaks out, wondering how her grandmother could be so calm about this. But Sana doesn't see what all the fuss is about. It's just genetics. Yeah, this I'm is sorry, all I think I'd have been a little freaked out, too. Right. <laughs> oh, you're fine. Yeah, you... You're just an ice giant. You know, it's just like, <laughs> it is no big deal. Can I grant my own wishes? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Another winning Powerball ticket, darn. Yeah. <laughs> This is all neither here nor there, as Sana wants Kamala to focus on the important things. The last time the bangle was used is saved her life during the partition. She once again tells retells the story of how she was separated from her father on the train platform, but somehow found her way back to him via Trail of Stars. And now that Kamala is in Pakistan, they can all figure out what the train vision means together. Kamala's still confused, though. She doesn't understand what's going on, and she feels like she's breaking more than uh, she can fix right now. Sana isn't fade by her granddaughter's panicking. She knows that eventually she'll see some beauty in all this. It might take some time. Of course, Sana's seen a few things. Yes, <laughs> she has. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, don't, you think your day's bothering you? That's nothing. Retreating to bed, Kamala has dreams about everything that's happened the past few days. The fight of the clandestine, the train, Bruno getting hurt. She's shaken awake by her cousins who are eager to get a jump on the day and head out to lunch. Unfortunately, no one told Kamala that jeans and an AdventureCon t-shirt were not suitable for lunch in Karachi. And she's feeling the heat from both her whole family and the weather and the spicy food. Her first day in the city is a struggle. Well, isn't your mother supposed to check you before you go out the door anyway? Exactly. Yeah, you think somebody that. would have said, oh, no, where we're going, you can't wear that. Yeah, she went to the country club. I mean, come on. <laughs> and on top of that, if you're not used to the food, somebody should warn you. Yes. <laughs> oh, I think they take particular delight in not, not warning you know her. What? Yes. I, I 100% believe that. <laughs> because I know I've had something. Oh, no, try it. It's good. It's like, uh, is it spicy? No, just try it. You'll really like it. Yeah. You don't know anything tears about. are coming down your face as you're trying to yeah. eat it. It's like my transition from Mexican food in Massachusetts, haha, and Mexican food in uh, Southern California. Big difference. Yes, <laughs> big difference. I come back and I'm all Mexican food snob. You call this Mexican food, please? <laughs> You're like, no, 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 this is nothing. It's bland. I don't know if I'd be able to like hang with the food, though over in Karachi because no. it looked good and I want to try it but I'm like I don't think can I just have some bread yeah <laughs> I think in the future she says something about food and it's being red and they're like yeah it's supposed to be red and she has no idea she's clueless she's just had American food yeah. Food. yeah 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 Americanized everything yeah and when you try something that's actual authentic you're like oh I don't know I don't know if I can do this <laughs> Even though you might be like, oh my god, that's my favorite. And then you try something, you're like, oh god, what? <laughs> See, that's why at least Mexican food out here isn't so bad. I always have my little Mexican ladies that are like talking to me in Spanish, and I get every third word. I'm like, okay, this is going to be good. I'm good with this. 
<laughs> this is the good stuff. But anyway, speaking of lunch, her cousins decide to take her on a heritage walk, but she's not too enthusiastic about seeing the site. I think she would like to see some of it. I mean, learn something. Right. The cousin doesn't know how to work a phone anyway. She's like, yes. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of weird. It's like it's not like she's been there before, go? apparently. Yeah, I was waiting for the her brother to say, "You take a left in Albuquerque or something." <laughs> you notice it throughout the, the episode, people are going left and right, and when they say left, they point to the right. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh! See, I thought the guy was just screwing with her doing that. Like, it, it, I can count not two where more. I'm pointing, but there's two more times when people are talking left and right, and they they're actually gesturing in the opposite direction. I think most people wouldn't do that. Maybe they're so cogent. They're like, yeah, you're left, not my right, but not most people. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait, what? Which way? Just Well, her cousins, yes, seemed very confused and lost, too. But they suggested meeting friends for coffee. And Kamala sends them along without her. She wants to go check out the train station instead. Excuse me. <laughs> what i i am not from here so yes please cousins leave me alone so <laughs> i can wander around the city i'm sure it'll be fine yeah that was kind of dumb yeah i i just stood there with my mouth kind of open like what that doesn't seem like the smartest of ideas but apparently no big deal yeah she just figured some nice soul would tell her how to get to the train station <laughs> yeah but she had to get back home too right yeah I don't know. That just seemed like a bad move. But I digress. Left, left, right. And then a, and then a little I thought left. he was going to like basically bring her back around in the square. It's like, really? Right. <laughs> but back at Karachi Station, or I should say finally at Karachi Station, it's bustling with people. And there's a fenced off side, which is closed for renovation. But of course, that's what catches Kamala's eye. Big surprise. She slips past the barricade on the other side. She puts on her blue mask that Bruno gave her. And Kamala stops in front of a mural of Ant-Man. You can start small and still be larger than life. When out of nowhere, a dagger appears on the wall, barely missing her. Now, I do want to say, too, at the mural, I was like, that is Ant-Man, right? It's not supposed to be yes. <laughs> something else. I was wondering, I'm like, is there some kind of other superhero that I haven't mentioned? But Mala and I were both startled with that dagger, and she turns around to find a masked man opposite her. And before she can fully process what's happening, the two are tussling back and forth. When Kamala asks if he's been following her, he answers that he sensed the Noor, and the two trade blows and teenage insults. During the lull in the fight, the masked man realizes that Kamala isn't a clandestine and asks how she got the bingo from Aisha. And she was pretty surprised, and she's like, how do you know Aisha? And then suddenly Kamala is seeing, uh, oh crap, security guards coming at them. And they both run off. It's like, wait a minute, you were just trying to kill her. Now you're like, come with me. If you want to live. I'm saying he's alive, yeah. <laughs> Realizing neither is a threat to the other, the masked man, Kareem, takes Kamala to the secret hideout. What? You're just giving up your secret hideout that quick? Okay. For the Red Daggers, a group of warriors who tend to stick to the shadows. Uh, not so much this time. Yeah. But, you know, that fight, I, I think he was just testing her because he could sense who she was. So let's give her the test, see if she right. passes it. If she's got the skills, plus it's a kind of a teenage thing to do, too. Yes. <laughs> oh, instead of talking a bunch of smack, it's like, let's fight a little, too. I know you want to kiss me. Oh, no, you want to kiss me. me? No, I don't. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> 
Well, at the secret hideout, Kamala meets Waylon, the leader of the Red Daggers, who offers up an ominous message. When you're ready, we have much to discuss. Bum, bum, bum. Everyone bullied. Yes. And I was trying to figure out who Khalid was. And I was like, oh, he's from Into the Badlands. It took me a good five minutes, which... I'm wondering if he's doing his fighting here because I believe he did in that show, which they had a lot of choreography, which was a lot. He's still only his early 20s, which means he was a true teenager in that. His name is Aramis Knight. Yes, thank you. He's amazing with all of this. So I'm looking forward to seeing more. Yeah. <laughs> okay, you teenager. <laughs> I'm going to gush about all the fighting choreography. To start, the Red Daggers protect people from the threats of the unseen which Kamala immediately suggests might be the djinn. But not so fast, as Walid explains. If Thor landed in the Himalaya Mountains, he would have been considered a djinn. For the Red Daggers, the word is simply used to explain anything out of the ordinary for this world. Now, as for the clandestines, they have been following Kamala. It's easiest to show Kamala, and it's probably better if Walid explains it, as he tells her, the clandestines and Aisha are from another realm. There are many dimensions around us that we cannot see, and this is just one of them, and this is Aisha's home. It's connected to our world, but hidden, behind a veil of Noor that separates our world from them. They if were the so clan- calm about all this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no big deal. This happens all the time. It's like, what? Why are we so chill? Well, they haven't had to deal with the clandestines for, what, 60, 70 years until the bangle popped back into circulation again? Plus, if you have a Thor in your world, you know, things aren't normal anyway. Yes. I guess, yeah. <laughs> if the clandestines use the bangle to tear down the veil, they'll unleash their world onto ours. And, well, to quote Bruno, things go boom. And that is why it's important to keep the bangle safe. That's when Walid sees something on the bangle, he didn't realize there was an inscription on it. Kamala asks what it says, and he reads aloud, What you seek is seeking you. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> Kamala wonders if that's an important message or something. <laughs> Even Walid doesn't know, but it must have been important to someone. Yeah. Thank you, Obi-Wan Walid. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, ha- has absolutely nothing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Just getting us more worried. Meanwhile, halfway around the world, the clandestines are being held at the Damatico Supermax prison. Some Supermax. Yeah, Supermax? Some... Really? Yeah, that was like the worst prison ever. I uh, honestly thought they were going to be on the raft. <laughs> let, let's, let's take this wet and soggy tunnel with no cameras and t- or tons of guards. and like, It's almost like bathroom break time. Yeah. Right, at least if they had taken him to the raft, it's like we all know that's established. It's supposed to be yeah. people with powers, blah, 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 blah. But this, yeah, it looks like, okay, we're just going to go hang out in the tunnel. But even added security, what added security, isn't going to stop Najma and the rest of the clandestines, including Kamran, from breaking out after a fight in one of the transportation hallways. Didn't strike me as a transportation hallway either. It's just a, it's where the pipes go. Yeah. And why Ugh. were they connected to the pipes as they were walking? Yeah. <laughs> uh, fun so you can, like, loop around. The group is free and ready to head out on the run, except for Cameron. He's injured in the fight, and he's helped out of the prison through safety. Najma announced that her son is not coming with him. Boy, she hard. Yep. He made his choice. Now he has to live with it, Najma says, and takes one la- last look back at her son before heading off to find the bangle. 
back at Nani's house, Kamala heads outside to talk with her grandmother, who asks if she's found what she's looking for. Kamala isn't sure yet, but either way, it's been an education. I bet. Sana might be exactly the person to calm Kamala down, and as she confesses to her granddaughter, even... Easy, Sana, take it easy. Yeah. <laughs> as she confesses to her granddaughter, even she's still figuring out her life out, there's no rush to even do it. That's when Red Dagger texts her, asking if she's free and wants to hang out. Oh, oh I told you. And Sana knows her granddaughter must go off and be a kid. As for Sana's own child, Moniba is on a cleaning rampage through the house. That should be a, a little obnoxious. Yes. <laughs> Someone cleaning your house. And she's bewildered as to why her mother needs to save all these things forever. And why are there so many toffee boxes everywhere? Sana explains she knew Maniba always liked toffee, so she kept some around just in case she never she ever came back home. This so opens wait, up to so much. Was there toffee in the boxes, or they were just empty boxes? Because then it's like, well, you know, she isn't here, and I've had these a month. <laughs> yeah, I think there still was some that had toffee in them, but most yeah. of them were empty. <laughs> right. This opens the emotional floodgates for Maniba, who explains to her mother that it was tough growing up because everyone shunned her due to her crazy mother. Thanks. Sana tries to explain that she was just trying to share her stories with her daughter, but that's not what Maniba wanted. She just wanted her mother. With night falling, Kareem takes Kamala to a bonfire to meet some of his friends, but Kamala needs a nickname. Call her Sloth Baby. Yeah, that's endearing. <laughs> that's the only uh, thing she could think of was yeah, her Sloth, sloth Bear. And, uh... <laughs> and she's offered some food from the group. Uh, Kamala takes it hesitantly and wonders if it's spicy, remembering the meal she had early. Taking a bit, she realizes she likes it. Maybe being with Red Dagger and his friends is just a place where she, uh, she needed to be right now. How is it like nobody's worried about her going out? Like, oh, you just met these people? Go hang out. It's fine. Right. Huh? After dark. Yeah, in a know, strange city. <laughs> Aren't you grounded? I mean, there's like a lot of questions there. I don't know what they thought, but wasn't it her mother that said uh, she had fun with the cousins? <laughs> she wasn't with yeah. her cousins. So apparently <laughs> she has no idea. And the cousins, who knows where they are? Right. <laughs> Okay, so are the cousins going to cover is the next question. Like, I don't know. They, they like us. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I think they like to burn her. Yeah. I think that's going to happen, unfortunately. But let's skip to the next day where Kamala's out and about again by herself. Finds herself back at the Red Dagger hideout with Walid and Kareem, learning how to harness her power. Again, maybe her grandma's running interference. Yeah, it could be. Knows. Well, Lee seems to think that due to Kamala's genetics and the fact that she's from this world, she can harness the Noor while also having it be completely unique to her. But training is suddenly cut short when Najma and the rest of the clandestines come crashing through the ceiling to grab Kamala and get the bangle. They are just so... They couldn't use the kitchen door? No, they couldn't, couldn't find the secret entrance, so they <laughs> just had to come... Crashing through the <laughs> yes, it's a huge open space in the ceiling and yeah, <laughs> a transom again, hidden hideout, super secret. But we're gonna have a skylight here in case anybody's up there, they can check us out. A fight breaks out, big surprise, as Walid holds everyone off long enough for Kamala and Kareem to get out of the building, which they didn't get very far before we'd ended up joining them. But once outside, they jump into the back of a pedicab, and the chase is on. Well, that was probably a poor choice, because pedicabs don't go that fast. Yeah. <laughs> Racing through the streets of Karachi, Kamala manages to use enough hard light to save a family on a bike that just doesn't want to get started, while also stopping the clandestines chasing them on a truck until they are thrown off the pedicab. Now on foot, Kamala and Kareem run through the streets as Walid stays behind to hold the clandestines off again. 
hoping to hide, they turn through alleyways, dodging through people and things, and eventually Willie catches up to them. And so does Najma. How? How is he catching up to them? High up on a balcony, Waleed confronts Najma, and from his position, he notices that the clandestine is close behind Kamala and Kareem. Waleed flings two fatal daggers, knocking out Kamala and Kareem's pursuer, but this moment gives Najma the chance to stab him in the back, quite literally. Yeah. Kamala and Kareem turn the corner to find him lying on the ground in front of them after he had fallen from that balcony then, which it's like, oh my gosh, Kamala wants to stay and help him, but Kareem knows it's too late and they've got to run. Well, if this was Star Wars and you got hit with a red lightsaber, <laughs> you'd be fine in the next episode. Right. <laughs> well, it seals itself off. Come on. Right. Automatically cauterizes the wound. But the fall may have done it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> The pair run into an open-air bazaar only to find that it's a dead end and realize they're going to have to fight their way out. While they easily stop the first two clandestines that show up, Najma's another story. Furious that Kamala is still putting up a fight, she turns to face her screaming, Enough! Excuse me? You're trying to kill me! Maybe no? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't think it's enough. Sorry, lady. With one swift blow, Najma slams her weapons onto the bangle and Kamala goes flying backwards. And, uh, hello, she finds herself at a train station. Looking around, the place is familiar, but completely different from anywhere she's ever seen before. People try and get on the nearby waiting train as she weaves through the crowd. And she realizes that there's a ton of people here saying goodbye. And we hear a lot of... Wait, it's the last train. Are they going to have room? Can we get on this? Right. Then she climbs atop the train to get a better view and realizes exactly where and when she is. It's 1947 and this is partitioned. That had me all kind of freaked out, though, because I'm like, wait, is she really there? Is it not? Is it like a vision like the train before? Did somehow <laughs> Najma activate some other weird power we don't know about? <laughs> Did Najma get shot off somewhere, too? Stay tuned for the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like it was going to happen. Because it was right. so dramatic there. Yeah. They say earlier, whatever you, whatever you seek is seeking you. So yeah, whatever that knife did to it, cast its magic. Yes, it did. I know a few people in my life, not me, I'm brave, who would be <laughs> in that crowd and go, too many people, too many people. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> it's like con, you know, so it's fine. Yeah. You go to Comic-Con and you're like, ugh. Yeah, I know. Well, after a while, everyone starts to get hot. Yes. <laughs> and it gets a little stinky under those costumes. Yeah, I've been there. So, what's on the old skillet? I know, Easter eggs. So, Miss Marvel's trip to Karachi is from the comics. Episode 4 is heavily adapted comics where Kamala took a trip to Karachi at a time when she was feeling rootless and wanted to find herself. Aw. There she stayed with her nani, and she was made to feel welcome, although she was more than a little embarrassed to realize her grandmother was dialing the spice down to white people level. <laughs> <laughs> the story is very different. This Marvel is an inhuman in the comics, and the trip to Kamala Khan's grandmother isn't connected to any ancient mystery. Still, episode four successfully captures the rootlessness of Miss Marvel's number 12. In Jersey, I stick out because I'm too Pakistani, Kamala reflects in the comics. Here, I stick out because I'm too American. Yeah, I think we've all been there somewhere in our yeah. life. Like that. <laughs> Episode 4 features a one particular amusing Easter egg or a QR code that once again gives viewers a free downloadable copy of Ms. Marvel number 12. That's appropriate. 
This is the comic that inspired much of the episode, so it's appropriate reference. Moon Knight featured similar Marvel QR codes, so presumably they're going to become a constant. That was long as they don't overdo it, I suppose. I didn't see that. No. It was the scene with the guy giving her directions to the train station, if I remember right. So we get another Ant-Man Easter egg. Still Kamala learns some things are global. It seems the Avengers are celebrated just as much in Pakistan as they are in Jersey. In particular, this, that's particularly the case of Scott Lang's Ant-Man, who seems to have become an international celebrity because of the podcast in which he gives people a, a blow-to-blow account of the final battle with Thanos and Avengers Endgame. <laughs> While visiting Karachi's train station, Kamala sees a mural celebrating Scott Lang's Ant-Man with the uh, comment, you can start small and still be larger than life. Cute. The caption pays homage to... Adrian Alfona, a celebrated artist in the Ms. Marvel comics, and while the comment itself seems to be an appropriate one, given Kamala's cousins, noted her small size. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you guys uh, hear about Paul Rudd the other day? Yeah, he, he uh, befriended a little boy that was in the hospital. Oh, and yeah. He, yeah, he answered, what was it, a tweet, maybe? He just wants to make new friends, and so Paul Rudd's the rescue. I'll be your new friend. He gave him a, an autographed Ant-Man helmet, too. What? That's awesome. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And now on to the MCU's Red Daggers. Episode 4 introduces... Com- What's that? <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> uh, episode 4 introduces Kamala to the Red Daggers. In the comics, Red Dagger is a vigilante operating in Karachi who crosses paths with Kamala during her visit there. Kareem later took part in a student exchange program, heading to Jersey and joining Kamala's class, much to her irritation, because her teacher had assumed they might know one another, both being Pakistan. Oh. Thanks, white people. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. The MCU's Red Dagger is very different from the comics and just to fit in with Ms. Marvel's origin story. It seems this version of Kareem is part of a group trained to counter the clandestine, who they perceive as the threat to the entire world. It's not two. The first encounter at the train station may be a nod to Ms. Marvel's number 23, where Red Dagger and Ms. Marvel teamed up to deal with a runaway train. Kamala is taken aback when Red Dagger challenges her and makes a throwaway joke. How do you not know I'm Canadian? <laughs> In the real world, this Marvel actress, Iman Vellani, is actually is Canadian. So yeah. <laughs> double burn. <laughs> and, you know, I thought of Batman, too. In the Batcave. Yeah. <laughs> the Red Daggers have a Batcave of sorts. The Red Daggers essentially have their own version of the Batcave. Their version of the Batmobile, though? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a secret hideout where they train and plan for the next actions against the Jinn. Curiously... Dialogue suggests that the Red Daggers have existed for centuries, protecting the Earth in secret from the shadows. The clandestines claim to have been only exiled to Earth a century ago, so the Red Dagger must have previously been dealing with other gene as well. I can buy that. Why not? Yep. Actually, when he, when Walid mentions other universes or dimensions, however he referred to them, I wonder if they've been dealing with beings from those other places too, and if we're ever going to see any of them. Right. Mm. See, I kind of thought with calling them clandestines that had dealt with them because i thought that clandestines were those big giant godlike things from eternals actually i think it's the worst nickname for a group of bad guys ever right <laughs> especially if you're pakistan clandestines really so the multiverse lies at the heart of the mcu's phase four but unfortunately it's being handled in a rather inconsistent manner with key terms such as dimensions defined differently depending on the show that's been a problem in science fiction shows all the time i i back in during fringe are you in another yep. universe? Are you in another dimension? And people had different definitions for it, too. Yep. Ms. Marvel's Noor dimension is akin to those seen in the first Doctor Strange film in that is another plane of existence sitting over the real world. Unfortunately, according to Walid, 
using the bangle has the potential to cause the dimensions to collide, and he believes that it would result in Earth's destruction. It is an interesting to note that throughout this whole conversation, Waleed carefully avoids grouping Aisha and the uh, clandestine together, perhaps hinting Aisha is a different entity from the Nord dimension, explaining why her great-granddaughter possesses unusual powers and abilities. Yeah, I thought that too. What behind that? That one we won't know because Waleed's no longer with us, but... Right. Yeah, she was different. I don't know. I wonder if, like, the Red Daggers trained Sana, and then that's why she was so cool, like, knowing they were going to come and somehow train her granddaughter. I don't know, because it seemed to me like they're suggesting the, the this uh, ability, the genetic skip a generation. So you think her mom had something? No, her mom got skipped. Yeah. And her grandma got skipped because from great-grandma to Kamala. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's not exactly. Maybe they talked to her and they were trying to see if she had powers. I don't know. Right. Yeah, very possible they could have ran into uh, Aisha back in the day. I don't think we're going to get answers. No, we're not. (laughs) I don't think we are. The Red Daggers trained Ms. Marvel in the use of her powers, and Kamala Khan strikes a recognizable power pose from the comics. Gotta have it. It's an interesting to note that it's the first time she'd struck one of her own poses rather than imitating one of the other superheroes, notably Black Widow in Episode 2. Curiously, the weaving purple energy surrounding her body is increasingly looking familiar to the powers of another comic character, Indra, last seen in X-Men Legacy number 234. However, it's possible to say that there's a connection, if, whether there's a connection to the stage. Have you guys looked at the eye color? It's not always purple, is it? I mean, I it's only purple like right before she starts using stuff her power i don't know because when najma and uh and kamala were looking at the train both their eyes were purple right maybe it's just when the nor is supposed to be activated yeah or like the nor from the other dimension or something they're saying the sharing genetics (laughs) do they share the same genetics why would they i mean mean, Aisha wasn't related to Najma at all, right? I don't know that no. I know. She could no. have been family from the other dimension. We don't know. So slowly, Ms. Marvel's costume is taking shape, and it's too slow for me. <laughs> Episode 4 <laughs> sees Kamala Khan taking another step towards her comic book costume. Bruna has already given her the traditional Ms. Marvel domino mask, and in Episode 4, she's given a garment by Walid, one he claims has history woven into every thread. Well, this doesn't quite give Miss Marvel her comic book costume. It nonetheless gives her the distinctive profile and color scheme from the comics. This is a smart move, symbolically showing Kamala Khan is moving closer to her true identity. Promotional images have confirmed this isn't anything like the final costume, of course. The last two episodes of Miss Marvel can see Kamala take shape. Well, we'd love to hear your... Right. You guys have a problem. I don't know how to put this. The illustrated version and the ones they use in the show has a different body type than uh our actress from canada right i, I don't think that that doesn't seem fair to Amon. yeah put her in the skin tight clothes <laughs> yeah i don't know she's just a kid but it, it, i guess what i'm saying is the comic version seems a bit more mature all the time yep yes <laughs> let's not get in, let's let's not get into dick grayson's butt yeah <laughs> yeah we'll see what the final looks like and see if it's <laughs> I don't think it'll be quite as risque as <laughs> the comics can be, but we will see. Yeah. Well, we'd love to hear your thoughts on each and every episode this season. Our deadline for feedback is 6 p.m. Eastern every Friday during the season. You can send your feedback via email or audio to contact us at fangirlzone.com. 
Please review and rate us on iTunes and any other platform you use for your podcast with good ratings and reviews. It helps other fans of the show find us as there are plenty of other Marvel podcasts out there. Tell your friends, not with our fashion sense, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Tell your friends and I hope you're enjoying our podcast. And don't forget to check out the other great Fangirl Zone podcasts. You can find everything over at www.fangirlzone.com. Click on our contacts page with all the ways to get a hold of us. And you can find all the podcasts over there. And we want to hear from you, your theories, your questions, everything. What do you think about the outfit? How it's shaping up? And for this episode of the Marvelous Post-Wit Podcast. I'm Steve. How do you know I'm not Canadian? <laughs> I'm Sean Fangirl Acid. You didn't answer when I asked if this was spicy. I don't know <laughs> if I trust it. And this is Mischievous Dave, and I think Kamala needs to stop monkeying around because she's not on the last train to Clarksville. (laughs) There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat, there is nothing wrong with your settings. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone. (laughs) 